0: This episode is sponsored by Celestron, manufacturer of high-quality telescopes and an industry leader in developing exciting optical products with revolutionary technologies. I'm Kelly Beattie of Sky & Telescope magazine, and tonight we're going on a tour of the stars and planets that you'll see overhead during April. In this episode, we'll follow the Moon around the sky, spot Venus and Mercury soon after sunset, Track down a hunter, a lion, a bear, a snake, and a crow, and watch for a modest meteor shower toward month's end. Ready to explore? Then let's get started. One complete cycle of the moon's phases, called illumination, is just a day or two shy of an entire month. The moon moves briskly in its orbit around Earth at about 2,300 miles per hour. So, from night to night, it moves eastward in the sky by a little more than the width of your clenched fist held at arm's length, passing stars and planets along the way. All that motion, combined with the swelling of its sunlit shape, known as waxing, and the shrinking of it, called waning, will keep us on our celestial toes as we try to follow it around the sky. We start April with the moon waxing toward full, which occurs on the night of April 5th or on the morning of the 6th for those of you in the eastern hemisphere. Northern Native Americans called this the full pink moon because April is when a colorful species of wildflower called phlox starts to bloom. In other cultures, it's called the sprouting grass moon, the egg moon, or the fish moon. Whatever you call it, the full moon rises in the east just as the sun is setting in the west. Then, in the days afterward, the moon rises later and later leaving the early evening sky entirely. Last quarter occurs on the 13th, and you won't see this phase pop into view until after midnight. New Moon follows early on April 20th. Now, you can't see this phase because the Moon is positioned too close to the Sun. But if you could somehow, you'd see that they're very close together in the sky, less than a half a degree apart. In fact, as seen from Australia and Indonesia, they're precisely on top of each other briefly causing a total solar eclipse. And so Australia is where I'll be on the 20th, watching the eclipse with a group of about 130 hardy travelers on a sky and telescope tour. A year from now, on April 8th, 2024, another total solar eclipse will occur, but this time the moon's shadow will cross Mexico, the United States, and northeastern Canada. Anyway, getting back to 2023... The moon returns to the evening sky as a lovely crescent and reaches first quarter on April 27th. And once again, it's nearly full by month's end. As April opens, you'll have the chance to see not one, but both of the planets that circle the sun inside Earth's orbit. Look west after the sun has set, and you'll easily find dazzling Venus well above the horizon. Get used to seeing it there because Venus will be part of your evening stargazing through early July. From our perspective here on Earth, Venus can never appear very far from the sun in the sky. Even when Venus or the sun are farthest apart, the angle between them is only about 45 degrees. Now, starting in the second week of April, look below Venus and a skosh to the right, down closer to the horizon. Make sure your view toward west doesn't have any trees or buildings to block the view. As twilight deepens, a rather obvious star will become apparent. That's Mercury, which is making its best showing of the entire year this month. It'll get easier to see as twilight deepens, and about 45 minutes after sunset, Mercury will still sit a good 10 degrees, one fist high, over the western horizon. But this speedy little planet will start to plunge beginning around April 18th, so catch it while you can. It might be spring, but most of winter's bright stars are still hanging around in the hours soon after sunset. Let's start in the west with Venus. High above it is Capella, a very bright and obvious star. Next, slide your gaze to the left of Capella to spot Mars, the red planet. A fat crescent moon will sit right next to Mars on April 25th. Keep an eye out for a close pairing of Venus with the Pleiades star cluster just to its right on April 10th, 11th, and 12th. Seen through binoculars, this will look terrific. Meanwhile, about one fist to the upper left of Venus in early April, and to its lower left later in the month, is Aldebaran, the brightest star in the constellation Taurus, the bull. Slide your gaze farther to the left to reach Orion, the hunter, which is getting quite low. In fact, by the end of April, it'll be challenging to spot at all. Find the distinctive horizontal row of three stars that form the belt of Orion. Above the belt is the reddish star Betelgeuse, and below it is the icy white star Rigel. Orion is a wintertime constellation for us northerners, and he's tipped down toward the western horizon while making a gradual exit from the evening's celestial stage. This month, you can use Orion to observe the two ways that stars move around in our sky. The first is due to Earth's 24-hour spin. Find an obvious landmark along the western horizon and Orion's position with respect to it at, say, 8 p.m. Then check an hour later, and you'll see that he's obviously lower down because Earth has turned. To see the second kind of motion, again note where Orion is at a particular time and then check again at the same time one or two weeks later. Orion will once again be farther down but this time it's because of Earth's motion around the Sun. Our orbital position shifts over those weeks, changing our location in space with respect to the Sun, and so does Orion's location in the evening sky. We can also use Orion to spot some other bright stars nearby. To the belt's left, by about two fists, is Sirius, the brightest star in the nighttime sky. This beacon marks the collar of one of Orion's hunting dogs, Canis Major. The other dog, Canis Minor, is a little higher up. Look for its somewhat dimmer anchor star, called Procyon. Okay, the hunt's afoot. Now let's go find some cosmic carnivores. High up and almost overhead around 9 o'clock is the distinctive constellation Leo, the lion. He's facing to the right, with his head and mane forming a big backward question mark that's a little bigger than your clenched fist. At the bottom of that pattern is Leo's brightest star, Regulus, meaning Little King. You can also imagine these stars as a giant sickle, the sharp, long-bladed hand tool that farmers once used to harvest grain. Now let's find our old friend, the Big Dipper. Look high in the north, the Dipper is positioned with its bowl at upper left and its handle curving toward lower right. According to old farmer's lore, it's upside down, as if dumping April showers. The two stars at the left end of the dipper's bowl are known as the pointer stars, because an imaginary line down through them points almost directly at Polaris, the North Star. It's below the pointers by about the width of three fists. Polaris marks the handle end of the notoriously dim Little Dipper, which on spring evenings extends to Polaris's right. Now the Big Dipper isn't a true constellation. It's what astronomers call an asterism, any obvious group of stars. The sickle is an asterism, too. But the Big Dipper is part of a constellation, Ursa Major, which is Latin for the big bear. And the Little Dipper is in Ursa Minor, which means, you guessed it, the little bear. Now, if you think about it, bears come out of hibernation in spring, and so the big bear is now on the prowl high in the northeast. So is Leo the lion. Okay, lions don't hibernate, I know, but we're talking mythology here and slithering up equally high in the southeast is long, winding Hydra, the sea serpent, a completely mythological creature. Hydra's stars are all pretty dim. Below Regulus, by about two fists, is Alfard, which forms the serpent's fiery orange heart. Its head is farther to the right, over in the southwest, and its long tail has yet to clear the southeastern horizon. Hydra was quite carnivorous in Homer's Odyssey, and you can think of it as a hibernator if you want. Trailing behind Leo, farther east, are two bright stars. To the lion's left is very obvious Arcturus, and to its lower left is Spica, which represents the hand of the constellation Virgo, the maiden. About four fists below Leo, to the right of Spica, is a box of four medium-bright stars that look something like a misshapen kite. This quartet, about a half-fist across, marks Corvus, the crow, and it's really distinctive. Once you spot it, you'll recognize it all the time. The stars of Corvus represented a raven to ancient Babylonians more than 3,000 years ago. Later, the Greeks often paired Corvus and Hydra in myths involving Apollo, and you can imagine Corvus as standing on the back of Hydra. Spring is coming, and all of these sky critters are on the march. It's been a few months since I've mentioned any meteor showers, and in fact, the first half of the year has very few of them compared to the second half. But there's one this month, called the Lyrids, that peaks on the morning of April 22nd. Astronomers use this name because these meteors appear to radiate from the constellation Lyra, the lyre, which rises in the northeast a couple of hours after sunset and rises higher in the sky during the night and in the hours before dawn. April's Lyrids are usually weak, you might glimpse one shooting star every five minutes or so. But surprises do occur, like when sky watchers saw one per minute during an outburst in 1982. Will that happen this year, too? Probably not, but you'll never know unless you watch for them. Thanks for letting me show you around the stars and planets for another month. If you want more tips for viewing the night sky, including a free interactive star chart for any time or date, check out our website, skyandtelescope.org. If you haven't already subscribed, you can find this Sky Tour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating or a review. It'll help spread the word about Sky Tour, and I really welcome your feedback. And if you want to explore the solar system and universe more deeply check out the full line of binoculars and telescopes available at Celestron.com. Sky Tour is a production of Sky and Telescope, a division of the American Astronomical Society, and is produced by me, Kelly Beatty. Join me next month when we'll explore the starscape near the Big Dipper in more detail. Until then, I wish you clear skies.